going to make an assumption and you tell me if I'm wrong. You feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. I know it's true. There are always too many things to do and too little time. If you're like me, your boss will walk down the hallway and shout, go home, Beltran. That's why I am telling everyone about the 40-hour work week with Angela Watson. Angela was a guest on this very podcast back in season one, and she shared her ideas for managing your time, teaching, and stuff to help you make the most of your time at work while making time for home too. But that was just the beginning. In her membership, The 40-Hour Workweek, Angela helps you focus on what matters to have a purposeful and productive workday and then go home. Angela helps teachers find, on average, 11 hours a week that they can take back for themselves while still being a great teacher. The best part is that Angela has a new membership, especially for coaches. She partnered with my friend and coffee buddy, Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching, to create the 40-hour work week for coaches. Check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com slash 40-hour week and get your time back. Coach, are you feeling like your teachers are just not interested in your support? Have you struggled to get into classrooms and impact positive change? Do your teachers turn the other way when they see you coming and put you off over and over again when you offer to visit their classrooms? So many coaches face these problems and they all revolve around one thing, the culture of coaching. If your school doesn't have a coaching culture, it can feel like you're bending over backwards to please everyone while actually accomplishing nothing. This summer, my favorite annual event, the Simply Coaching Summit, is all about building a coaching culture at your school. This online conference for instructional coaches is on July 11th, 12th, and 13th, and it will give you everything you need to change your school one step at a time. The summit is three days of keynotes, live workshops, pre-recorded sessions, and live meetups. I'm giving a keynote about how getting curious can change the culture of your school, but there is so much more to the summit that you have to see it for yourself. Head to buzzingwithmissb.com summit to save your spot. The best part is that you have six months to watch the videos. So if your summer plans didn't include some cozy PD at home on the couch, you can watch them when you're back to school. See you at the summit 2022. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coach, and welcome to episode 101. This is all about breaking a negative coaching pattern. Now, I know that can sound stressful and scary. So I want first to let you know that this is not going to be a scary episode. (laughs) I mean, it might be a little scary for me because I'm going to share some of my own coaching mistakes that were really not so great um, and talk about some things that helped me move beyond some of these coaching patterns that were not purposeful but I think you'll enjoy it. (laughs) So before we get started with my own horror stories, I want to define coaching pattern for you. So this is just a term that I'm using. I Googled it. I don't think anybody else uses it, but it makes sense to me. When I use this term, I'm using it in the relationship sense, okay? So basically, if you have interactions with someone regularly and they always seem to go the same way, these interactions always seem to go the same way, then that's a negative pattern, right? A pattern is something that repeats. And the reason that I'm doing this episode right now is that this month I'm focusing on a theme about looking back, about reflecting. Um, In coaching, 
because we work with teachers repeatedly and because we're human, we often respond to situations in the same way, right? We have um, certain responses that come up over and over and over again. And we don't realize this is happening unless we take some time and look back and reflect on our coaching work and really think about, okay, what am I doing in these situations that might not be super helpful in, in making this a productive conversation? So let me tell you an example from my own home life so that I can illustrate this. And then we'll talk about all my failings as a coach. Okay. <laughs> so I have a four-year-old who is absolutely wonderful and we love her so much, obviously. Okay. But the challenging thing about our four-year-old, as it is for many four-year-olds, is that she has a lot of opinions about how things should go. And right now her, my husband, her, her dad is going, oh, does she have a lot of opinions? Does she real? I wonder where she gets that from. Why would she have so many opinions and such strong opinions? And I just, you know, I don't know what he's referring to. I, I mean, doesn't everybody have opinions, but sometimes the way that she wants things to go is not the way that I need them to go or would like them to go in certain situations. So one example of this is what we call quiet time. Every day in our household, we have quiet time because she doesn't take naps anymore. And I need some time to get work done without kids. You know, it's just some, some things cannot be done with children in your face. So this means every day I set a timer and she goes into her room and she plays pretty much whatever she wants. And she makes a tremendous mess. And her room is a tremendous wreck when she's done. And then when quiet time is over, she comes out and everybody's happy. Right. But the problem is she once heard me say, Today, we'll have a short quiet time because we have to go do some errand afterwards. So now at least a couple of times a week, she demands a short quiet time. There's no other way to word how she makes it known that she wants a short quiet time. She demands it. Okay. <laughs> Anyone who has, you know, a three or four year old knows they do not ask. They demand. So she comes to her doorway. We have a small house. So if I'm in the den or in my office, I can see her and she shouts or whines or cries about having a short quiet time. And most of the time, my response is quiet time isn't over. I'll tell you when it's over, go play whatever you like. And I know that doesn't sound nice, right? It's, I respond this way because I'm stressed out about getting some sort of work done all the time, right? And this is the only time I have to work. The baby's asleep, go in your room and play, please. And she responds like you would expect, which is just to increase the demands <laughs> and the whining. So it goes like that in a pattern. She whines, I direct. She whines, I direct. And nobody gets what they want. So it's not like I don't know this will happen. But in the moment, in the moment when the whining is happening, my brain, which has been trained for all of my 40 years to be directive and just get stuff done, tells me to direct and tell this child what to do. So I do. I tell her, just go back to quiet time. Even though I know I'm supposed to acknowledge her feelings first. Something about quiet time stresses me out, right? So I've been trying this new thing where I force myself, however awkward it is to say, you're having a hard time being patient today and you want out of quiet time. What would you play? Will you play with your dollhouse or will you listen to an audiobook? And sometimes, not all the time, sometimes it works. It breaks the pattern. Sometimes she chooses one of those choices and sometimes she chooses something else, but those days she goes back in and I get to work. So this happened about 10 minutes ago while I was actually writing my notes for this podcast episode. So it's very fresh in my mind, making a change in our response changes the pattern and creates a different outcome. 
and I know everybody's heard the quote that is attributed to Einstein, but probably wasn't said by him. I don't know that uh, doing the same thing over and over again is a definition of insanity, you know, doing the same thing and expecting a different result, you know, all of that. Making a change in our response changes the pattern. It breaks the matrix. <laughs> so anyway, the same thing happens with teachers and coaches. Teachers bring things to the table, and so do we, and we all have buttons to push that set us off when someone pushes them, and we respond in the same way over and over, and that response ensures the continuation of the pattern. It ensures that this pattern is going to repeat itself because you're going to respond the same way, they're going to respond the same way. So what do we do? Okay, if you watch Ted Lasso, you know how game-changing it can be to be curious, right? Asking questions and trying to understand is the best way I know to change a negative coaching pattern and a negative coaching relationship too. Because when we're asking questions, we're not making assumptions. Making assumptions is the death of coaching and relationships. When we assume we know what's going on, when we assume we know about the teacher, when we assume what they're going to do or say, we do not build a good coaching relationship. So let me share an example of a pattern I had built with one of my teachers and what I did to change it. Here's the first pattern. A teacher complains about their students. Then the coach feels defensive about the kids and responds defensively, trying to justify the kid's behavior. The teacher pushes against it, saying that the coach doesn't know how bad the kids are. The coach explains that kids aren't bad and that they need structure. The teacher says this won't work for my kids and implies that the coach would know better if they were in the classroom still. And this continues. Okay. So the problem here is one that I have personally experienced. I have a big, huge button. That's really fun to push apparently. And that button is complaining about the kids and saying they're just bad. It just gets me every time. And I know that teaching is really hard and I understand being frustrated. Totally. I totally understand that. I was frequently frustrated as a teacher. But I don't understand it when teachers don't try something different to create a different classroom culture or a different management approach. The only one we can control in the classroom is ourselves. So I have trouble when we pawn the responsibility for management off on the kids. And seeing it that way, because that is how I see it, it is hard for me to, to break that. Seeing it that way can make it hard to have a positive impact on management in other people's classrooms because it's a negative view of the teacher's actions or lack of action the way I see it, right? So I had a similar dialogue to this one with a while, for a while with a teacher, okay? It was different details, but it was basically the same thing over and over, same pattern, right? And I finally realized that what I was bringing to the table, assumptions and a defensiveness about the kids was perpetuating this negative cycle. The teacher would complain, I would, I would defend, and neither of us heard each other. And I thought, when I do this, I'm making it impossible to support the very kids that I'm here to help. So I had to change something. So I decided to try out a question. Now, if you're ever implementing something new, you know you practice it, right? I practiced it on the way to work. It's not a complicated question, right? But I wanted it to become second nature so that whenever... I get put in this situation and my brain is reverting to my primitive self. And all I'm going to do is repeat the pattern. I go, no, no, I have practiced something for just this moment. This is the question that I asked. What have you tried so far? This question changed everything, even though it really didn't solve the issue at first glance, because there's no magic bullet, right? There's no magic bullet to coaching, but we can start dialogue by changing our response. So when I asked, what have you tried? The teacher took a pause. 
And then they realized they hadn't tried fairly much of anything. <laughs> they explained that they made a rules chart and they reviewed it the first week of school, but they hadn't really done anything since then, aside from punish, right? Discipline. So the teacher having made that realization meant they could go, I don't know what else to do. Now this shifts it, right? No longer are we saying these kids, these kids, these kids can't. We're saying, I don't know what to do. When somebody doesn't know, that means we can help. When somebody needs support, we can help. When someone has a problem, we can help. When the problem is all the kids, well, what are you going to do? You can't change kids, right? So once the teacher made that realization, I could say, I bet we can figure something out. Let's set up a date and time to talk about what you're seeing and make a plan. That is the goal of changing the dialogue. This is the goal to move from complaints to collaboration and eventually to coaching cycles, right? So here's how it works in a different situation. Here's a different pattern, okay? The teacher says, my kids can't handle independent reading or fill in the blank with whatever best practice you're implementing, okay? The coach responds with information about how independent reading is an effective practice and that's what the school's doing or the district or whatever. And the teacher says, well, my kids don't want to. They could do it if they wanted to, but they don't try. The coach responds with different ideas for making independent reading engaging and purposeful, okay? This is a trap I fell into a lot, giving ideas. If people are hitting a wall, they don't want the ideas. <laughs> they don't want them in that moment. They don't want to just be told, do this, do this, do this, okay? People don't learn that way, but that's, I, I do often learn that way. So I might have a hard time. I had a hard time adjusting that, right, for others. So if you just give them a bunch of ideas, the teacher usually say, well, it just doesn't work for me. So I'm not going to do that anymore. We're just going to do this. Okay. So whatever your thoughts are on independent reading, you know, I have personally used independent reading effectively with students. And so I know it can be done if you differentiate for the kids who need it. Right. I don't believe in throwing the baby out the bathwater when it comes to best practices, but getting to know the kids and what they need is essential to identify who needs differentiated practice or whatever it needs to look like. Right. In pushing how important independent reading is, I'm not helping the teacher do that. And I'm also not convincing her that it's valuable in that moment. She's not going to go, you know what, you're right. I really should try to figure out how to make it work. This teacher can't see it because it hasn't happened in their room yet. It's, it doesn't exist. This effective practice does not work, right? Because they haven't seen it. So what I need to do is to get curious. So here's what I said. What are your kids doing instead of reading? How many of them are doing this? Why do you think they're doing this? So this changes the dialogue from you should really do this to let's understand the problem and the cause of the problem so we can do something about it. And that's something you can work with. You can identify behaviors and reasons for behaviors. You can group kids based on what they need and go from there. And you can meet students' needs by communicating more effectively with a teacher and getting curious to understand their situation. But you can't meet students' needs by forcing a teacher to make all kids pretend to read if that's what, what is happening in that classroom. Okay, so here's one more example of the coaching pattern that needs to change. And this is one that many coaches have shared with me um, is a, as a point of frustration for them, okay? The teacher would say, my kids don't write in complete sentences. And the coach goes, oh, I can model that for you. And then you model a lesson. Then the teacher says, my kids can't think of what to write. They just say they don't have any ideas. And the coach goes, oh, I can, you want me to model that for you? I can do that. And they model a lesson. And then the teacher says, my kids don't edit their writing. They just write something and turn it in and say they're done. And then the coach goes, oh, I can model a lesson for that. And then they model a lesson. So when you have a teacher who is consistently saying their kids can't do things and you as a coach feel the need to jump in and fix 
that's in quotation. I'm doing air quotes here. I know you can't see it, but I'm doing it. Air quotes on fix the situation. That is a pattern that needs to change. So here's how we can change it by getting curious and by asking, right? Can I come see a lesson to help you figure out what you can try? Or can I come see a lesson to see what's going on? Okay. It's important to get into classrooms and model and support teachers and kids. But when we're not seeing a transition into independence where the teacher will try to problem solve and ask for specific help when needed, then when we're jumping the gun and trying to fix and solve all the problems, we're not being coaches. We're just trying to fix everything, right? So instead, it can be really helpful to have teachers show us what they're doing. And this is important for two reasons. One, you'll get a really clear picture of what's happening in the classroom because you will literally be in the classroom seeing it happen. Two, you can help them extend the learning you'll do during this coaching cycle to the rest of their teaching instead of just giving them one lesson they can do to address one need. So for example, this is what I mean by that. In this case, what I usually find is that teachers aren't consistently modeling. They're not showing kids how to do these things in their own writing, okay? They're just telling kids to write in complete sentences, right? Or even just if they should, be sure to write in complete sentences. How many times have you seen that? And kids don't know what they're talking about, right? They tell kids that they need to brainstorm without showing them how to think of ideas. They tell them to edit, edit your writing, be sure to edit your writing without showing them what it looks like. So instead of giving teachers a lesson for complete sentences or brainstorming or editing, you can focus your work on modeling which is a foundational piece that's missing across the board in all of those issues that they're having. Another way to respond to this is to say, what are they struggling with? Can we plan something together that will help? So when we ask teachers to clearly define the issue and then we plan together to address that need, then we are valuing the teacher's input and perspective. It gives them responsibility instead of taking all the responsibility away because you're no longer trying to fix it. You're planning with the teacher. So you're doing a co-taught lesson and you can really work in a partnership to meet students' needs and to grow together, okay? So in summary, my biggest tip for breaking the negative coaching pattern is get curious. Ask questions to understand better. Doing this will change the dynamic and the pattern that you're in if you're stuck. So the next steps that I have for you today, as you're leaving this episode, I want you to think about a negative coaching pattern in your own coaching work. What is something that hasn't gone the way you wanted that you feel like you're stuck, you're spinning your wheels, the pattern just repeating over and over again. Make a decision to get curious and think of a question that you can ask in order to change the pattern of interacting with this teacher. Okay. So I have a couple of ideas, the things that you can, can look into podcast episodes, some good stuff is going to help you out. The first thing is I have a free um, challenge for you. It's an email challenge. It's the coaching resistant teachers challenge. It's six days to a new relationship with your teachers. You can grab that at buzzingwithmissb.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the post and it's, um, oh, sorry, buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 101. And that's the numbers 101 and scroll down to the bottom of the post there. That's where you're going to see the information about the coaching resistant teachers challenge. It's good stuff. I have heard amazing feedback on this because it really helps you think differently about the way you interact with teachers. Check that out. It's free. You can also learn more about this idea with these 
uh, four different episodes that I'm going to share with you. Episode 55, I spoke to the wonderful Steve Barkley about responding to resistance to coaching. So check that one out for sure. If you feel like you're stuck in a funk with a teacher, maybe you need to try something different. That episode has a million great suggestions. Episode 62 is about supporting district initiatives while supporting teachers. And it's a coaching call. So you may be having a similar issue and trying to meet everybody's needs and, um, feeling like you're just stuck and you're not really able to support teachers. So check that out for sure. Episode 74, building relationships with teachers. These are some little ideas that you can use to build those relationships. And episode 84 is effective communication for coaches. So I get lots of great tips here from Lisa Westman about communicating effectively. I also have a resource for you in the store. If you go to teacherspayteachers.com and search for Chrissy Beltron, buzzing with Miss B, either one of those or all of it, um, you will find on my, in my store, my coaching resistant teachers PD video. So I walk you through what to do if you're working with a teacher who is resistant to your coaching, who maybe doesn't like you very much, <laughs> who turns the other way when they see you in the hallway, who reschedules all of their meetings with you, or who just flat out calls you out in front of other people in not a very nice way. So check out that resource. It's a really good one. Um, and it'll help you change those relationships. Next episode. Okay, this month, the rest of the month, we're going to keep looking back in different ways. Okay. So we're continuing our, our theme of reflection. And in episode 102, I'm talking to Dr. Jill Brown about how leaders can reflect on their own practice. So first we're going to talk a little bit about reflecting on our coaching work. And then later in the month, we're going to talk about supporting teachers in their reflection. So I'm looking forward to this month with you all. This month is all about looking back until next week. Happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.